There's a guy called Jim Collins. Jim Collins is a best-selling uh, uh, author. He, he's written a lot of uh, bestsellers on the New York Times bestseller list. And he wrote a book called Good to Great. And it's a great book if any of you are, are like in the business world or, or you're in leadership or something like that, then I recommend this book to you. And this book is all about how to go from being a good company to being a great company. And they, uh, in this book, they surveyed uh, uh, hundreds of CEOs of companies, um, uh, small companies, mid-sized companies, big companies. And uh, they discovered that there were some who were good at their job, but there was a few who were great at their job, and they were great companies. So they tried to find out what was the difference between the good ones and the great ones. And at the end of their research, they found out that it wasn't personality that made the great CEOs. It wasn't uh, know-how. It wasn't experience. It wasn't the team that they had around them uh, as much. It wasn't because they had lots of resources. But the number one reason, the difference between the good CEOs and the great CEOs was something called humility. The great CEOs had humility where the good CEOs didn't have as much humility. And that's what I want us to talk about today, humility. Now, it's no secret for those of you who've been coming to Generation for a while, it's no secret you guys know I have an addiction to candy to chocolates, to anything that's sweet. And some of you, you just feed my addiction. Shame on you. And, uh, and, and, and one thing that I just can't resist is when there is chocolate or there's candy, I just have to get. Now, my wife is totally different. Her addiction is chips, chips and salsa. Um, but whenever we're in a store and she sees one certain type of candy, she just can't resist it. And this type of candy is called gobstoppers. Gobstoppers. They're, they're, they're the candy that uh, when, when she sees it, her eyes just light up. And the bigger the gobstopper, the better. They're those hard candies that, uh, that you can only suck. And if you chew on them or bite them, your teeth will break or anything like that. So how many of you like gobstoppers this morning? Keep your hands up. You, got, you like gobstoppers? You like gobstoppers? And you like gobstoppers. There we go. So see, we give you things when you come to Generation Church. So if you hear someone like, ah, halfway through the service, it's one of these guys because their teeth have just popped because they chewed on a gobstopper. But gobstoppers, she just loves gobstoppers. And the reason they're called gobstoppers, many of you don't know, because I, I don't think I've ever heard it uh, in the United States, uh, uh, but I hear it a lot in, the, in England, is that the word gob actually means mouth. It's a slang word for mouth. And when we were growing up, we were not allowed in our house to use the word gob. Now, I had a sister who talked too much, and she thought way too much about herself, and she would always talk down to me, and so I would just be like, Hannah, shut your gob. And, uh, she, uh, and she would like, then, Dad, he used the word gob. And my dad would come and spank me, and, and, but I would always tell her, shut your gob. Because in England, the word gob means mouth. And the whole thing behind a gobstopper, it was originally made to basically shut your mouth. So you put it in your mouth and you can't talk. So the bigger the gobstopper, the better. So the great thing is when my wife sees one, I'm like, honey, go for the biggest one that you can find. <laughs> right, don't tell her. She's back in the kids' area. Don't tell her that. 
So often the word humility is associated with serving. You know, Jesus, he, uh, he, he, he came and he washed the disciples' feet one night. And, and, and he took a lowly job. And so often we think that humility is doing a lowly job. Something that other people don't want to do. Well, if that's the case, then how does the high-rolling CEO do the lowly job? How does the President of the United States do a lowly job? How does a king or a queen of a nation do a lowly job when they're not even allowed to do that job? Well, the answer is found in James chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles this morning, if you want to turn to James chapter 1. And there's three things this morning that we're going to go through very quickly about how you can be humble in every situation of your life. And this humility that we're going to learn about today really enhances your life. And it's like putting those jimmies on the ice cream. Makes life a whole lot better. And we're going to begin reading in James chapter 1 and verse 19. James chapter 1 and verse 19. And this is what it says. Understand this. My dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. You know, Jim Collins, the guy who wrote that book, Good to Great, I, I was, I was uh, at a conference a couple of weeks ago, and, and I heard him speak. And this is what he said. He said, one day, one of his mentors came to him, and he says, Jim, he says, quit trying to be interesting, and instead, be interested. And what basically what, what the mentor was saying is, Jim, stop trying to, to interest everybody else, and sit back. And be interested in other people's lives instead. I wonder how many times this morning that we sit down and we talk to somebody. And we hear them, but we don't really hear them. You, you know, it's that, that person you sit down, and I'm as guilty as anybody. You, you sit down and they're talking, and you're like, and you're nodding and you're smiling. But you're just not taking in or listening to what they say. How many times are we in a discussion or even an argument with somebody and they're talking and we're hearing them, but instead of actually listening, all we want to do is get and say what we want to say in that situation. We want them to hear our view instead of listening to their view. You know, over the, over, over the last few years, I, I've done quite a little bit of a marriage and, and relationship counseling with different people. And, and it's amazing just the difficulties that different couples go through. It all starts with one thing. It starts with communication. And, and everybody uh, who, who I ever speak to, they're always saying, one says, well, well, they say this and I do this. And the other one says, well, they say this and, and this gets me like this. And what happens is I hear what they're saying, but the other person isn't really listening to what that person's saying. So let me give you an example. So the guy is saying, she just nags and nags and nags and nags all the time. And that's all he's hearing. He's hearing that the woman is nagging and nagging. But really what the woman is saying 
when you speak to, to, to some of these couples, the woman who's really saying, it's like, just listen to what I'm saying. Well, why, why won't you act on what I say or listen to what I say? That's why I keep on nagging because I'm getting no response from you. And then, then, and then she says, well, he just gets angry. When we have a discussion, she just gets, uh, he gets angry all the time. And really what he is really saying is saying, I'm trying to show my emotions to you, but I'm a person who finds it hard to show emotions. And the way I show my emotions or open myself is through anger. And so often when, when, we, when we're in discussions with people, we hear words, but we're not actually listening to what that person is actually saying. And James chapter 1 tells us this. It first says in James chapter 1, verse 19, James says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Basically saying, put your energy into listening, hearing other people. The humble person is the person who is more concerned with what the other person is saying than what they have to say themselves. And how many times are we in a discussion? And like I said, I'm as guilty as anybody. We are in a discussion with someone and we want them to hear what we have to say instead of listening to what they have to say. And do you know what sometimes we have to do? We have to get a good old gobstopper and we have to put it in our mouths when we're listening. And I call it the humble gobstopper. And so often we just need to shut our gobs, shut our mouths, and listen to what the other person is saying. So James says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. And then he carries on. And then he says, and then be slow to get angry. Slow to get angry. Did you know that anger breeds sin? Anger breeds sin. Anger does not produce righteousness in our lives. Anger does not make us good people. In fact, anger turns us away from God instead of turning us to God. And the way that we do this, the way that we are slow to get angry that James tells us is that we have to humbly accept God's word. It means that we have to read God's word. And God's word is is the Bible. That means we have to read the Bible. We have to accept what God says. And when we read it, it's like a plant that is planted in our hearts. And then we have to let that plant germinate and that plant grow. So when situations in our lives want to make us angry, instead of anger coming out from us, God's word starts to germinate and starts to flow from us. And we start getting the fruit of God's word. And the fruit of God's word is love and joy and patience and gentleness and, 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 and self-control and long-suffering. That is what comes out of our souls when we humbly accept God's word. <clears throat> you know, sometimes we have a habit of talking too much. Some of you, you, you may have friends or you may have a spouse that just talks too much. And, you know, if we were truly to be quick to listen to what people are saying, instead of always talking, then we may not get angry as much. You know, I found out that women 
on average, say 7,000 words a day. 7,000 words a day. Do you know how many words that men say a day? 2,000. You're right, 2,000. Women say 7,000 words a day. Men say 2,000 words a day. And I tell you, my wife and myself, we are the exact stereotype of that. You know, when we were dating, uh, I lived in England, she lived in Missouri. And there was a six-hour difference between us. She would call me at six, uh, sorry, at 12 midnight Missouri time. And I would pick up the phone at six in the morning England time. And we would talk for about an hour, then she would go to bed, I would get up for work. And on the weekends, it would change a little bit differently. And so she would call me around about like three in the afternoon, and it would be, six, it would be like nine at night. Um, and, and back in the day, that was the day where we had landlines, if any of you remember landlines, you know, before we had cell phones. And, and my, my dad would have a, a, a list of all the calls that were made. And I remember one day my dad says, what on earth happened on this night? He said, you called Raquel at nine at night and you put down the phone at four in the morning. And then my dad, knowing Raquel, said this. He said, oh, I know what happened. She was talking. You fell asleep. You woke up and she was still talking. And I was like, he was actually not far wrong. That almost happened. But sometimes we just have, sometimes we just talk way too much. And what James is saying, James isn't saying just shut your mouth and, and don't say anything. But what he's saying, he said, spend more energy listening than talking. That is what humility is. And that's what separates the good people from the great people. The great people listen to what people are saying. The second thing that James says, in James chapter 1 and verse 22, he says this, be quick to hear and quick to act. Be quick to hear and quick to act. He says in verse 22, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing your face in the mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully at what you look like, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. You know, once you've mastered the art of listening, now you have to decide what to do with that information that you've received. And you know, this is when decisions that were once difficult to make are now much easier because you've sucked on a humble gobstopper And you've now listened to what the other person is saying. However, when it comes to God, to God's word, God's voice, he expects us to not take too long in acting on what he says. James tells us not just to listen to God's word, 
But now act upon it. Thanks. Do what it says. Don't try to argue. Don't be analytical about it. Just do what God's words says. And so when you read God's word and God tells you to do it, James is saying, do it. Life will be so much sweeter if you do it. How many of you here this morning are analytical kind of people? Put your hand up. So a few of you. In my house, my wife is analytical. I'm not. So when something goes on, we have to get to the root cause of everything. I mean, it's, it's not like, you know, I left the dishes in the sink. And it's not just that I just got lazy one day. It's like there's a root cause to putting the dishes in the sink. And we have to get to it. That's what analytical people do. They, they, they go in and they analyze everything. Now, we actually do need analytical people in life. Life would be very bad if there wasn't analytical people because everything would just be surface level. But when it comes to God's word, you do not have to be analytical. And this is why. Because in your relationship between you and God, God is the analytical one. God is the one who has already analyzed the whole situation. God is the one who, who, who knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning. And one thing I've discovered about following Jesus Christ, having a relationship with Jesus, about, about living this life of faith is this. Is God often tells you the what before the how. He tells you the what before the how. He tells you what to do before he tells you how to do it. And the Bible tells us that it is by faith that we please God. It is by faith that we move God. And so when God tells us what to do, he expects us to do it before we find out how to do it. And for some of you analytical people this morning, that is painstaking. Because that is tough. You want to know everything. But God already knows everything. He knows everything. The humble follower of Jesus Christ is the one who says yes to God, despite not having all the details. Says yes to God, despite not having all the details. Because the humble follower of Jesus knows that God is bigger, God is greater, God is more knowledgeable. God has it all worked out before you ever heard of what God wants you to do. He's already analyzed it. And so James is saying to us, he says, basically, don't just be hearers of God's word, be doers of God's word. When you hear God's word, do and act on what it says. So James tells us, he says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Then he tells us, be quick to hear and quick to act. And then the final thing that James tells us this morning is to be quick to evaluate yourself. Be quick to evaluate yourself. James chapter 1, verse 26. It says, if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself. And your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress 
and refusing to let the world corrupt you. You know what? One thing I've noticed about humble people. Humble people always look to themselves before they look to others. You know, Jesus once said, he said, why are you looking at the speck in your brother's eye when you've got a big old plank in your own eye? Humble people are people who always look to themselves before they look to others. You know, the humble are a lot less judgmental than the non-humble. It's because they understand their own faults. They understand that they are not perfect at all. And I've got news for you this morning. None of us are perfect. I said last week, we're all messed up. We all suffer trials. We all have temptations. None of us are perfect. The humble person is the one who checks their tongue before they speak. Before they react quickly to to a situation, they check their tongue. They suck on a humble gobstopper because they know their tongue can get them into a lot of trouble. And some of you this morning, you know that when you open your mouth, sometimes you just can't help it. It's like there's no filter on your mouth. It's like you just want to say everything that's in your mind. Well, James is saying, control your tongue. Because it's going to get you into a whole lot of trouble. In fact, James says that the person with an uncontrollable tongue has worthless religion. That means the person who has an uncontrollable tongue, when they come to church or they do religious things, their religion is dead. Wow. That's pretty tough stuff. That's, I mean, that's pretty intense right there. That if we can't control our tongue, James says, our religion is worthless. But not only the person who, can control, who can't control their tongue. But James continues and he says in, in James chapter 1 and, and verse 27, he says that pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, not contaminated religion, not fake religion, but pure, genuine religion in the sight of God is those who are caring for orphans and widows in their distress and not letting this world corrupt you. You know, some of my favorite people in the world, two friends of mine, called Jason and Shelley Yo. Some of you know them. We've, we've had them here a couple of times at Generation Church. And Jason had a pretty cushy job. He was a, a campus pastor at a large church in Washington, D.C. And uh, he, he's very creative. Actually, for those of you who know the terminology, he's just very metrosexual as well. So I feel very man, manly when I'm around him because like, I like to dress up, but he, like, goes to, he wears skinny jeans. I'm like, guys should not wear skinny jeans, and he wears skinny jeans. So, but he's a great guy despite that. And he had this cushy job campus pastor at this large church, you know, they had the benefits that they wanted. He had a good salary. He was living in Washington, D.C., you know, living it up. And Jason and Shelley read this verse here. And as soon as they read it one day, God just spoke to them. 
And they realized, Jason realized that they were doing all this stuff, all this church stuff. And they thought they had this wonderful, genuine, pure religion. And then they suddenly read this. That pure, genuine religion in the sight of God is caring for orphans and widows in their distress and not letting this world corrupt you. At that moment, Jason and Shelley felt just God speak to them. We need to do something to reach out to the orphans of this world. So do you know what they did? Jason quit his job with the blessing of the church, and they started an organization called the New Rhythm Project. And they've come here and talked about it. We, 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 uh, we help support them each month uh, uh, through our missions giving. And they basically started this organization to mobilize the church to reach out to the orphans of this world. There's over 350,000 orphans in the United States alone. And they wanted the church to come together to help to eradicate this problem. Because they realized that pure, genuine religion in the sight of God is caring for orphans. They did a gut check. They looked at themselves in the mirror and they evaluated themselves. And they realized, okay, what they were doing was good. But in the sight of God, they could do so much more. They evaluated themselves. And the person who will lower themselves enough to evaluate themselves and then reach out to those who need help in hand are those who know what it means to suck on the humble gobstopper. The humble gobstopper isn't there so that we can just bite our tongue. It's not there so we just become these religious freaks. The humble gobstopper is there so that we can avoid unnecessary disagreements. It's so that we can act when God says act because he's looking out for our best interests. It is there to help those who need help in hand. And it's there so that you can become a more rounded, more godly person. You know, the humble person isn't just a good person in the sight of those who are watching. No, the humble person is the person who becomes a great person in the sight of God and those closest to them. If you choose to suck on the humble gobstopper, it will help you to become a better parent. It will help you to become a better spouse. It will help you to become a better child to your parents. It will help you to become a better sibling. It will help you to become a better friend. It will help you to become a better employee or a better boss. And it will help you to become a person who glorifies God with their life so the light of Jesus can shine wherever you go. So my challenge to you today Is keep a stack of humble gobstoppers in your pocket. So when situations arise, when you want to just spew out everything that you want to tell somebody, just pop one of these in your mouth. So it shuts your mouth so that you become quick to listen and slow to speak. So that you become quick to hear and quick to act. And so that you become quick to evaluate yourselves. Let's pray.